Episode 29, Battle of the Gods, Part 3 The battle continues between the gods and goddesses of Egypt and the god of Israel, but the Egyptians' deities will not be able to come close to being stronger than Israel's god. And eventually, the Egyptian priests will not be able to stand before Moses and Aaron. Welcome to the History of the Bible Podcast. Moses was to go back to the king to tell him to let the Israelites go, and if he didn't, the Lord would bring about a plague against the Egyptians' livestock, and nothing would happen to the Israelites' livestock. A time was set for the next day for this to happen. The plague, or disease, that would come through the livestock of the Egyptians and kill them is not known. However, this plague would be an attack on the gods and goddesses Bat, Hazet, Mahewaret, Skybull, Apis, and Hathor. Bat was the god that was seen as the giver of blessings and success. Hazet was the giver of plenty of food and drink, as she is seen with a tray between her horns and milk freely flowing from her udders. Mahewaret and Apis were reincarnations of Ta and the one who gave birth to Autumn. The sky bull god was a bull that protected those in the afterlife. The reason this was against so many deities is because the cattle of the Egyptians was seen as a sacred animal. Cattle cults in ancient Egypt have kind of always been around. Because of their dependence upon the animal, the Egyptians would often see the cow as a protector and sort of a motherly figure that provided for her children. Often, it was thought that when a soon-to-be king sucked the milk from a divine cow as a baby, it would give him the power and stability for his future reign. This is why Hathor was the main deity that was presented as the motherly cow. She was the wife of the god who created everything. Ultimately, the attack would be against her and the position she held as the mother of creation. Those that see the plagues as a testament to the creation of the world say that this plague was to show the Israelites that animals were created to be for man to have dominion over. However, in this case, God took that dominion away from the Egyptians. Following the belief that the plagues were part of the chain reaction theory, say that when the river was filled with algae, it killed the fish, which caused the frogs to get out of the water, causing the second plague, because the dead fish develop anthrax. The sick frogs would die off, but because the floods came, it brought the mosquitoes, the third plague. It's then thought that the flies were the next plague, which came from the decaying plants left from the Nile flooding. The fifth plague, the death of the livestock, is thought to have come from anthrax spreading from the dead frogs. Anthrax is a bacteria that only lives in soil, not in water. It isn't able to affect any fish or frogs, but only mammals. The anthrax bacteria can last up to 80 years on the surface of the soil, completely lifeless until it's consumed. Then it comes to life inside the animal. Once inside, it attacks the white blood cells and lymph nodes, and eventually the immune system. For the plague of the death of the livestock to have been killed by anthrax, the bacteria had to already be on the ground. It wasn't brought in with the frogs, as some believe to be the case. When this plague happened, the king of Egypt sent people to where the Israelites lived to find out if any of their livestock had been affected by the plague. 
but not one of the livestock of Israel died. However, the king still hardened his heart and would not let the Israelites go. So then comes the sixth plague, which was that of boils on people as well as animals. This plague would be an attack on many gods and goddesses, as most of them had the ability to protect and heal their followers with magic. However, there are a couple of gods and goddesses that were specifically known for medicine. The first would be Imhotep. He was a god of medicine and knowledge. At one point, he was part human, but eventually became fully god. The other deity that was to be attacked was Isis. She was the goddess that was able to heal her father from the poisonous snake bite that she planned and was able to bring Osiris back to life after collecting all of the body parts of her husband. Another thing that this plague did was that the priests needed to have pure skin to serve their deity. So before they would go into the temple, they would shave and wash their body to remove hair and dirt. But when they were covered with boils, it prevented them from entering their gods and goddesses' temples. And the chain reaction theory is thought that the boils came from the biting flies that carried the anthrax bacteria. These flies were said to be the biting stable flies, but never has it been found that this fly was able to carry the anthrax bacteria and able to pass it by biting a mammal. For the scholars that believe that the plagues were just to point the Israelites back to creation, the sixth plague isn't able to be related to any specific moment in Genesis. The only thing that it could be pointed to is the idea of staying pure before God, but nothing about creation itself. After the sixth plague, the king hardened his heart and would not listen to Aaron and Moses. So the Lord told Moses to wake up early in the morning and go to the king to tell him to let the people of Israel go. God then tells Moses to tell the king that the Lord could have sent pestilence and destroyed the king, but has kept him alive so that the Lord could show him his power and that all the people of the earth may know the name of God. Because the king was still exalting himself over the God of Israelites, another plague would come to destroy everything that was in the field. Moses even warned the king to get everyone and every animal that was still alive out of the field but most wouldn't listen to Moses. However, those that did fear the word of the Lord from Moses sent home to have their livestock and servants taken out of the field and placed in shelters for the duration of the next plague. For the Lord told Moses to tell the king that the next day a great hailstorm will enter Egypt, one that has never been seen in all the time of Egypt. The next morning, the Lord told Moses to stretch out his hand towards heaven so that hail will begin to fall in Egypt. In the lower section of Egypt, there have been reports of hail and even snow falling in this area during the winter months. So it isn't something that never happens, but it doesn't happen all that often. Even thunderstorms in this area are somewhat rare, but they do happen. In Exodus 9 verse 24, it says that there was a hail and fire flashing continually. Most scholars believe that this is just lightning that is striking the ground, but other scholars believe that the hail could have been charged electrically while falling and could have been balls of fire, so that when it hit the ground, it would start a fire. In Exodus 9 verse 25, it says that the hail struck down everything that was in the field, 
people, livestock, and plants, or crops, were destroyed. Even the trees were destroyed from the hail. However, the Lord would not let the hail and lightning storm come over the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were living at the time. The storm would be an attack on Shu, the god of the air, Nut, the goddess of the sky, and Seth, the god of storms. Shu and Nut were thought to have some control over the weather that happened in the atmosphere, but it was mostly Seth that controlled the weather. Therefore, when Moses told the king that the next day a hailstorm would come, it was showing that the god of the Israelites was more powerful than the god whom the Egyptians saw as controlling the storms. Although it isn't for sure about ancient Egypt and other surrounding nations, it was believed that when it began to thunder, that it was the voice of their gods. The scholars that believe the plagues were connected to creation say that the hail, because it destroyed the crops and all the plants of the field, was to show the Israelites about the day God created the land to produce plants after its own kind in Genesis 1 verse 12. In contrast to the time God created the earth was to produce plants after its kind, Egypt had no plants left to produce after its own kind. However, there were still plants around. It was just the crops and trees that were just about ready to be harvested that got destroyed. For those that believe in the chain reaction theory, here is where it begins to break down. The first six plagues had a reason, but the seventh plague is argued that it just happened. No explanation of the plague is given, except that it was just some bad local weather where the king lived. When this plague was finished, in Exodus 9 verse 25, it says that every plant of the field was destroyed, along with the trees too. And in verse 31, it says specifically that the crops of flax and barley were destroyed. The flax was used mostly to make clothing. Instead of using wool, the Egyptians made linen garments. The barley was mostly used to feed their animals and livestock, but it was also used widely for making beer, which was common in ancient Egypt. The wheat crops were not destroyed in this plague because they were not ready for harvesting unlike the flax and barley. The king of Egypt would call for Moses and Aaron to come before him, and this time the king tells them that he has sinned, that the Lord was right and the Egyptians were wrong. He then asked them to plead with the Lord to remove the plague, and then the Israelites may be free to go. But as soon as the rain, thunder, and hail ceased, he hardened his heart so that he did not let the Israelites go, just like the Lord had told Moses. The Lord would then tell Moses to go back to the king, and that because the king's heart had been hardened, God will use it to show his power so that the Israelites would one day tell their grandchildren about God coming against the Egyptians. So Moses and Aaron go to the king and tell him that because of him not humbling himself before the God of Israel and not letting them go, the next day God would bring about locusts into the country, so many of them that they would cover the ground and that anything that was still left in the field after the hail would be eaten by the locust. And not only would they be all over the land and in the fields, but they would also be in the Egyptian houses. And with that word, Moses and Aaron left the presence of the king. But the king's servants, the men of his court, stood up and told the king that he should let the people go as they can serve their God because the land was already ruined and a plague of locusts would destroy it even more. 
So the king listened to the advice given to him by his court and called Moses and Aaron back and told them that they were allowed to go. But then the king asked, who was Moses planning on taking to go serve the Lord in the wilderness? Moses told the king that all the men, women, children, young and old, including all of their livestock, would leave to go into the wilderness to serve their God. When the king heard this, he believed it to be a trick and wouldn't let them all go, but only the men, and they must leave all their women and children behind in Egypt. And with that, Moses and Aaron were driven out from the presence of the king. So the Lord told Moses to stretch out his hand over the land of Egypt so that the locusts may come up upon the Egyptians. This would be the eighth plague. When a swarm of locusts comes, they eat just about every type of plant. Often every green leaf will disappear. And not only will they destroy every green plant, but they will also destroy the trees too, starting with the leaves, and then once those are gone, they eat the bark. As the swarm continues through the land, if the food is becoming scarce for them, it will begin to eat other things. In Exodus 10, verse 6, it says that the locusts will be in the houses. It has been found that if the crops are not enough food for them, they will go into the houses and eat whatever they can find, mostly softer items like leather and material. This plague would be an attack on the same gods and goddesses that the seventh plague was against, Shu, Nut, and Seth. It says in Exodus 10 verse 13 that when Moses stretched out his hand on the land that the Lord brought an east wind, which was often associated with the Lord's judgment. The reason that it was against the same gods and goddesses is because Shu and Nut are thought to control the weather. Seth does too, but he is also the god of pestilence. Just like the plague of hail, the locusts are thought to be pointing to the time when God created the plants after their own kind in Genesis. And for the chain reaction theory, it's believed that the plague of locusts was caused by the hail and thunderstorm. However, this theory changes the direction of the wind from coming from the east to that of the south, because that is where the locusts are thought to come from. When this plague happened, the king of Egypt quickly called for Moses and Aaron and asked for forgiveness, saying that he has sinned against the Lord and asked that Moses would ask the Lord to remove the locusts from the land, and then he would let the Israelites go. So the Lord caused a strong west wind to blow back the locusts into the Red Sea. After the wind came through, there were not any locusts in all the land of Egypt, but the king would change his mind and not let the Israelites go. The next plague, the Lord doesn't even have Moses go before the king. He just tells Moses to stretch out his hand towards the sky so that there may be darkness in the land, so thick that it could be felt. This attack of darkness was against Egypt's most worshipped god, Ra. Ra was their sun god, who brought the sun every day in his various forms. Often, when the sun didn't shine for whatever reason, the Egyptians would have thought that Ra was killed in the afterlife. Every day, Ra would travel across the sky, and then in the nighttime, he would go into the underworld. While in the underworld, he would be attacked by the snake Apophis. But Apophis was always defeated because Ra would rise in the morning. However, when the Lord brought darkness into the land of Egypt, the Egyptians would have seen that their God who controlled and created everything was defeated by his enemy, Apophis. 
The life cycle of the Egyptians' cosmos would have been thrown off balance when the sun was not given its light. And this darkness was not just like being in a dark room. In Exodus 10 verse 21, it says that it could be felt. And in verse 23, it says that no one moved or saw each other for three full days because the darkness was so thick. To imagine this type of darkness, think of what it would be like going deep into a cave underground and then turning off all the lights. You wouldn't be able to see your own hand in front of your face. This is the type of darkness that fell on Egypt. Now, many scholars believe that because the two plagues before it were natural, in the sense that they have been seen elsewhere in history, then the darkness had to be natural too. It is thought that the darkness was just caused by a strong wind that stirred up so much sand and dirt into the air that it caused a darkness much like a fog would, only worse. This is also what the chain reaction theory believes to have happened. When the flooding of the Nile came, it brought all that red dirt with it, which would be left behind when the waters receded. Then a strong wind would come up from the desert and blow all that red soil into the air, causing the blackout conditions of the ninth plague. However, the issue with believing that it was just a very bad sandstorm is that the Israelites had light. They were not affected by the darkness whatsoever. In Exodus 10 verse 23, it says that the Israelites had light where they lived. If the plague were to point back to Genesis, it is thought that before God separated the day from the night, they were together. In Genesis 1 verse 4, both light and darkness existed at the same time. Just like the light was existing for the Israelites, but the darkness was only over the Egyptians. For three days, this darkness lasted over the Egyptians. And finally, the king called for Moses. The king told Moses that all the people were allowed to leave to go serve the Lord in the wilderness. But the catch was that they had to leave all of their livestock behind. Moses said that they needed their livestock so that they could do the sacrifices and that not a hoof would be left behind in Egypt. Well, the king was not happy with his answer. His heart would harden once again, and with anger he would tell Moses that if he ever saw his face again, the king would have Moses killed. Moses agreed with the king. It would be their last time meeting face to face. But before Moses leaves the presence of the king, he has one last thing to say. One more plague will come upon the Egyptians. The Lord spoke to Moses to tell the king and his court that at midnight the Lord would come. Every firstborn was going to die in the land of the Egyptians. This included every person's firstborn all the way to the firstborn of the livestock. However, the Israelites would not be touched and the Egyptians would know that their God was the one that did this. Moses then tells the king that when this next plague happens, that after, the king and all of Egypt will tell the Israelites to get out of the land. With that, Moses leaves the king's presence, never to see him again. So join us next time in episode 30, The Exodus. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. We want to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. Please check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.